Well, hello, Parkview. Glad you made the choice to be here uh, this Memorial weekend. And I do just want to welcome everybody at all the campuses around Chicagoland, everybody out in Homer Glen, uh, everybody in New Lenox, everybody around Orland, everybody who's watching online. Uh, so glad that you made the choice to be here this weekend. And uh, if you've been around here the last five or six weeks, you know that we're in this series called FOMO, which stands for Fear of Missing Out. And today, uh, we're gonna wrap up this series. And I think it's gonna be a great time of study together. Uh, you know, what we've discovered over the last few weeks is that inside all of us, uh, most of, not most of the time, but some of the time, there's this strange, sometimes irrational fear uh, that, that other people are getting something or achieving something or discovering something that, that we are not. And we begin to FOMO, we begin to get this fear that we're missing out on what other people are doing. And a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching, I, I shared with you that for me, I've kind of traced it back in my life and I can tell you why I have a day that is dominated by FOMO or a day when I actually defeat FOMO. And uh, I think this has really been helpful for me in my life, so I wanna share it with you again, and, and that is the way I can tell if I'm gonna be dominated by FOMO or defeat FOMO is simply this. When I get up in the morning, what do I reach for first? Do I reach for my cell phone first, or do I reach for my Bible first when I get up in the morning? And, and both of these are right by my bed, probably like some of you, especially your cell phone. And, and here's what I've learned. I've learned that when I get up, if I will reach for my Bible first and, and even just spend you know, a few minutes reading, uh, it gives me a tremendous sense of, of peace and uh, it, it kind of clears away any anxiety or worry that may be already trying to invade my life. It, it lets me know that I'm cared for and all of those things if I pick this up first. But what happens so often is I don't pick up this, I pick up my cell phone first. And what I discover is, you know, that I thought I got up early, but evidently there's already all kinds of other people who got up even earlier than I did, and they're already, you know, have been to the gym for two hours and climbed some huge mountain hike, and or they're just doing all kinds of productive things. And so I, I begin to compare and despair. When, when I pick up my cell phone first, I go into the FOMO zone because I begin to compare and despair with what other people are doing. And, and what it seems like a lot of times is that almost as I'm scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, it seems like everybody seems to have more time than I do. And it seems like everybody somehow seems to have more money <laughs> or resources than I do. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. I mean, have you ever been just kind of scrolling social media and you start thinking to yourself, I mean, are, are you kidding me? I mean, it must, it, it must be nice uh, to, to be able to you know, go on five vacations a year. Uh, where do they get all this money, right? Or it, it must be nice to always be buying new clothes. Or how in the world does this person seem to, to be able to go to every single concert that comes into our city, right? I mean, must be nice. And when it comes to our resources and when it comes to our money and that sort of thing, let me tell you something, Parkview. Uh, this message that I'm talking about today is something that I wrestle with because I, I have two kids right now in college, and I have a daughter, Ruby, who just got married about five days ago. 
And so I've got college payments going on. I've got a wedding that I just paid for and all kinds of stuff like that. And, and so I'm kind of in this FOMO zone in, in my financial life. But, but not only that, here's what's amazing that I've discovered. Really for the first time in my life, I'm sharing a major FOMO with my kids, with my young adult kids, because my son, as he starts to think about getting a job and getting into the workforce, and he starts to think about college and how much that costs, and, and my daughter Ruby, as they start trying to figure out how to get an apartment and pay for their own insurance, pay for their own cell phones, and things like that, you know, they, we all, including my wife Renee, we all start to get anxious sometimes and, and worry a little bit. And we talk more than I would probably even want to admit today about money and are we gonna have enough resources to do not only what we really feel like we need to do, but are we gonna have enough to be able to do some of the things we want to do and, and that sort of thing. And here, here's, here's what I know. I talk to people all the time, talk to Parkview people, you people, all, all across the campuses, on social media, on Facebook, and here's what I know about all of us. And it's so easy to get all sideways about money in our financial lives. And it's easy to get all anxious about it and feel like maybe we're not gonna have enough to do the things that we need to do. And so because that is true for so many of our lives, here's what I want us to do today. I want us to take a look in the Bible. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, if you have a smartphone, if you have a tablet, uh, however you locate scripture these days, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find 1 Timothy chapter six. 1 Timothy chapter six in the Bible, and I'm gonna read just a section of this scripture today, and I really, I really do believe that after we study this a little while, it's gonna give us some, some peace in, in our financial lives, and we're not gonna have to fear about having enough and God taking care of us and that sort of thing. So if you have your Bible there, we're gonna put it up on the screen, 1 Timothy uh, chapter six, Let's dive into this. Here we go. Paul says this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And then he goes on and says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and to be willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take a hold of the life that is truly life. This is our goal today, Parkview. As we study through this, our goal is that we would be able to take a hold of the life that is truly life. By the time we get done with our study today, we'll have just the best version of ourselves that we will be able to live out. So with that context and that scripture, now let's do this. Let's go back to the beginning and let's kind of break this down and talk about it. Okay, so let's go back to the beginning. Command those who are rich in this present world. Everybody say rich. Right, rich. We, we don't really like to say that a lot, uh, but that's what I need us uh, to do. Um, Command those who are rich in this present world. I think as soon as I say that, as soon as I have you say that, about 95% of us begin to feel, uh, you know, a sense of relief because we're thinking to ourselves, I'm not rich. That's not me. 
Command those who are rich in this present world, that doesn't really apply to me. In fact, what most of us think as Americans is that somebody who is rich is somebody who makes about twice as much as I do, right? So if you, for instance, if you make $50,000 a year and I asked you if you were rich, you would say, no, 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 no. And what you would probably begin to describe to me is somebody who makes like $100,000 a year, right? I mean, double what you make. I mean, I mean, they're making six figures, right? I mean, somebody who makes six figures, are you kidding me? They're rich. But, but then again, if, if you make six figures, right? If, let's, let's just say that you make $100,000 a year. You, again, you don't necessarily feel rich, but if you wanted to talk about being rich, you would say, you know, if I made two hundred dollars or $250,000 a year, then I would definitely be rich. But, but, but this is what's crazy. Even if you make $250,000 a year and somebody asks you if you're rich, you're going, no, I'm okay, listen, I'm not rich. And what you would describe is somebody who makes like 500000 a year. And you would begin to say, listen, I mean, they make like a half million dollars a year, okay? They are rich. And it's always like twice as much as what we make is what we would consider somebody to be rich. And, and here's just what I wanna ask Parkview today. Do you think you're ever gonna come to the place in, in your life where you go to work and you get a pay raise or you get a bonus, and so you walk into work that, that Monday morning and you say to yourself, you know what? I did it. I crossed the line. On, on, on Monday morning, May 27th, I, I crossed the line and now I, I am officially Rich, I did it. Did you think that's ever gonna happen in your life? I, I don't know that it will because I don't know that any of us really have a handle on what's rich and what's not rich. I mean, where is that line, right? I mean, let, let's be honest, all of us know people that are rich, right? But if we were to go and ask that person if they are rich, what they would automatically begin to do is describe somebody who is much richer than they are. So again, the question is, where's the line? How do we know who is rich. Here's what I want us to realize today, Parkview. Here's what I want us to realize. Check this out on the screen. You are rich. You are. I know a lot of us don't like to say it. We don't like to repeat it when I ask us to say, hey, I'm rich. But, but the fact is you are rich. And so am I. By nature of where we live and all that God has done for us and in this nation and place that we live. In fact, take a look at a couple of these statistics. Take a look at this. If you make $37,000 a year, do you realize this? You're like in the top 4% of the, of the wealthiest people in the world. If you make $50,000 a year, which we talked about, a lot of us wouldn't say that that's really rich at all, but if you make $50,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the richest people in the world. And I know we always you know, don't feel that way, and, but I need us to, to understand that, and I need us actually to be able to admit that. And so I wanna do something today, Parkview, and this, this may be very uncomfortable for some of you. I know you're not gonna wanna do it, you know, but, but I'm just asking you to do this with me. I wanna ask you to repeat with me, I am rich. W would you do that? I, I know this is gonna be difficult for some of you because we all don't think we're rich, but just do it with me on the count of three. Here we go, ready? One, two, three. I am rich. Okay, well, one more time. Say it with me out loud. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. I am rich. I am rich. And, and here's why. 
This is so important for us to admit. It's because if you and I can't admit that we're rich, it's completely possible that you would spend the rest of your life trying to become what you already are, right? Let me put this into perspective in in my family. Uh, Every year for like the last 20 years in in my family, uh, around Christmas time, I have taken my family from California to visit family in Ohio and in Kentucky. And uh, back when my kids were younger, when Ruby and Cole were smaller, like elementary age, uh, I found this guy in our church who actually drove a limousine for a living. And I said, hey, can I pay you to drive my family to the airport as like a Christmas gift? And he said, sure, no problem. And so I, I got it all set up and I paid him and we experienced Christmas. And then the day after Christmas, which was our usual rhythm, we were getting ready to head to Ohio and Kentucky. And so We had all of our bags. We got out in the front yard. We're standing in the driveway because I told my two little kiddos that the car was coming to pick us up. And and that's when this huge, long stretch limousine pulls up into our driveway. I mean, the car barely fit in our driveway. It was so long. And my kids' eyes just got like huge. And I remember my daughter, Ruby, looking up at me and saying, Daddy, are we rich or something? You know, and it was just this amazing moment. And as soon as she said that, you know, of course, my reply just instinctively was, no, Ruby, I mean, we're not, we're not rich. But of course, you know, the answer was that we are. We were rich then and we are rich now. Parkview, we are rich. And we no longer need to have FOMO about having enough. What we need to do as individuals and as a community and as a church is we need to begin to understand and have awareness of how we can use the blessings and the resources that God has given us and be a conduit for those things out into his world. Not just holding them all for ourselves, but actually sending these resources out to other people. In fact, Paul goes on to say this. Take a look again at this in 1 Timothy. He says, command those who are rich in this present world, which we have come to realize that's us. We we are rich. He says, command them, uh, tell them not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Here's what Paul is saying to us. He's saying, listen, when you begin to get a little bit of money, when you get your first job, young adults, maybe when you get your first car, when you get your first apartment, when you get that house you want, or you finally upgrade into that house you've always dreamed of, when you get a little bit of extra money in the bank, here's what Paul is saying. When you get those resources, listen, listen, don't start being prideful. Don't start being arrogant about that. It's so easy. Whenever we get extra to get a little arrogant. Isn't that true? Whenever we get a little extra, it's easy to be a little arrogant. And, and we start thinking to ourselves, look, I, I mean, let's be honest. I work hard, you know? I mean, I, I, I work hard. I made this money. And we start thinking things, maybe even if it's just in our head, you know what? I deserve this house. I deserve this 
vacation. I deserve this new car, whatever it is. And, and listen, Parkview, here's what I would say. Man, when it comes to working hard, please don't misunderstand me here. We, it is good for us to work hard. We should be working hard. The Bible says that we should do our work as though we're doing it unto the Lord. So it is good for us to work hard. But, but here's, here's what I think happens a lot of times in our life. Our hard work can actually make us believe in ourselves and put our trust in ourselves rather than God. And what I want us to understand is that it's not just hard work that brings blessings to us in our lives, but it's God who brings blessings to our lives, right? Let me say that again. It's not just hard work. We should work hard but it's not just hard work that brings blessings into our lives. It's, the, it's God who brings the blessings into our lives. Here's how I've learned this. In, in my family, and maybe you will be able to resonate with this, I, I think back about my grandfather. Uh, he, he died about 15 or 20 years ago, but for 50 years, my grandfather worked in this shoe store. He, he took uh, shoes and he would repair the soles on men's and women's shoes. And, and my grandfather worked like 50, 60 hours a, work, a week. He worked hard. He worked 10 times harder, I guarantee you, than I ever work in a week. But, but here's what my dad told me just a few years ago. He told me one time when we were sitting around talking, he said, did you know that your grandfather never made more than $10,000 in a whole year. He never made more than $10,000 in a whole year's worth of work. And he was working 50, 60 hours a week. He was working so hard, but yet I have far more resources than he does. And my guess is you probably can resonate with that. You have that same thing going on with maybe different people in your life or some of your friends or family members, maybe a grandfather or one of your uncles or, or somebody who, who you know. That, that They work incredibly hard, but yet they still don't have the financial resources that you do in your life. And we also know if we expand this whole mindset out to the world, listen, we know that there's people all around the world who are working, you know, seven days a week, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, they're putting in incredible work just so they can eat, just so they can feed their families. You see, here's what I want to keep just bringing us back to today on this Memorial Weekend. Here's what I want us to remember. I want us to realize that it only makes sense that what we have is a blessing from God in our lives. This verse in 1 Timothy that we have been looking at, it says that it is God who richly provides for us. And so if it's God who richly provides, then it is God that we should trust, right? If it's God who provides, it's God we should trust, but here's what happens. Here's what invades my life and invades probably your life and sends us into the like financial FOMO zone. If I can like coin that phrase, the financial FOMO zone. Here's what happens. We begin, I begin, I think probably many of us begin to put too much trust in money. 
We put too much of our trust in our ability to work hard and to generate and produce money. And that sends us into this FOMO zone. And what Paul is saying to us in this section of scripture is he's saying, listen, listen, listen. Don't lean into money. Lean into God. Don't don't put your trust in money. Put your trust in God. And if you and I will put our trust in God, then we will never have to fear missing out on anything because he's going to take care of us. Did you know that God has a perfect track record of faithfulness and he's not gonna blow it on you and he's not gonna blow it on me. God has a perfect track record of faithfulness and he's going to take care of us as we trust in him. And take a look at this other section of scripture in 2 Corinthians, where Paul is also speaking. Take a look at what he says here. He says, and God, who is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I, I love this verse. I call this verse the all things plan. This is God's all things plan, that if we'll put our trust in him, he is able to make his grace abound to us so that you have all things at all times, all that you need. What could be better than the all things plan from God? You don't have to FOMO anymore. I don't have to FOMO anymore if we put our trust in him. Now, with all of that being said, and all of that unpacking of the scripture in 1 Timothy that we've looked at, here's what I know happens. As soon as we begin to study a section of scripture like this, as soon as we begin to talk about being generous with our resources and giving back to God's kingdom and to God's people and things like that, here's what I know begins to happen in so many of our minds. We begin to play the what if game right? I know we do it. I mean, I do it in my mind. And here's, here's what the what if game looks like. You say, Todd, I get all that. I'm, I'm totally into you know this. I think we should be generous in good deeds. I think we should be willing to share all of this. But here's what we start saying. Okay, Todd, here, listen, Todd, here, here, here's the thing. What if, right? What if I give? What if I start giving back to God's people? What if I start giving back to God's church? What if I start resourcing Parkview and all the different ministries around here? What if I do that? What if like this weekend, I start to give back $10 or $100 or $1,000? What if I start to do that? And then what if later on in the week, my car breaks down and I can't pay for it? Then what, right? I mean, what if? What if that happens? Or what if I give back and then I can't pay my rent or my mortgage, or what if I give back to God and his kingdom and I start doing that and then I lose my job? Then what if that would happen? And and, and, and here's, listen to this, this is is so important. Here's what happens to rich people. Most of us can afford to give. Most of us have enough money to be generous to other people. We don't all have the same amount, but most of us have enough money to be generous at some level back to God and his kingdom. But oftentimes, 
we aren't generous because what if? What if? I mean, what if something happens and then I can't take care of that? It's beyond my control. And listen, I am not trying to downplay that question at all. I think it comes into all of our minds. I think it comes into all of our hearts and that sort of thing. It's a very real question. It's a good question. What if something happens? And, and we should be thinking that kind of thing. What if something happens? But, but let me ask you just one additional question that I think will help give some clarity to that. And here, here's, here's the question right here. Who controls what happens, right? Who controls what happens? I mean, who controls the what ifs in life? We're always thinking about, well, what if this happens or what if this happens? Well, the question is, who controls what happens? Who controls the what ifs? The answer is God, right? God controls the what ifs of our lives. God controls what happens in our lives. I mean, has, has having money in the bank ever controlled what occurred in your life, whether or not your car broke down or whether or not you lost a job or if any of somebody got sick or anything like that? No. So here's what, again, Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, he, he clearly says to rich people, put your trust in God because God is in control. And when we do that, he'll be able to give us all things at all times, having all that we need in our lives. And, and what you and I do with our money, with our resources, it actually illuminates who we trust. It illuminates where our trust actually is. Now let's take a look at the last part of this scripture and, and, and bring home what Paul is saying. He says, command them and them you know, is people who are rich, right? Command them, the people who are rich, which we've already come to admit uh, is us, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, when they're rich in good deeds, when they're generous and willing to share, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take a hold of the life that is truly life. Here's, here's just the amazing truth of this verse, Parkview. And, and I, I'm praying that this amazing truth will just stick in our minds and our hearts and our souls this weekend. The, the amazing truth is this, that you and I can actually transfer our earthly wealth and resources into our heavenly account. Through good deeds and through being generous and willing to share and resource God's kingdom and God's people, we can actually take some of the resources we have here on earth and we can actually transfer them into the heavenly kingdom. And I know that sounds crazy. And, and a lot of times, you know, we hear people say things like, well, you know, you can't take it with you. You know, you can't take it with you when you go. And that's true. You can't take it with you when you go. But what this verse suggests is you can send it ahead, right? You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead through good deeds and being generous and willing to share. And, and here's what I would say, and only you know this in your heart. If you are a person that believes in heaven and that you're gonna spend the vast majority of your existence in heaven, if you believe that, 
then listen, you should be obsessed. I should be obsessed with that section of scripture. No more FOMO about earthly things and treasures. And again, I'm not downplaying that. All these things that God has blessed us with, that is fantastic. They should be there for our enjoyment. But I don't need to FOMO anymore about missing out on the cars or missing out on this vacation or missing out you know, on these cool clothes or this cell phone or anything like that. What I should be thinking more and more is, listen, how can I take my one and only life? How can I leverage my one and only life to bless others? not just bless myself? How can I serve others, not, not just serve myself? How, listen, how can I lay up treasures in heaven, not just collect a bunch of them in bank accounts here on this earth? How can I lay up treasures in heaven so that I can take hold of life that is truly life? How do we do that? We should be thinking about that all the time. And as we go back and kind of recap what we've studied today in this section of scripture, it gives us a really good path on how this can happen in our lives. So so take a look at this, just a quick recap. First of all, you have to admit you're rich. You and I have to be willing to admit that we are rich. And I know, again, so many of us, if I ask you if you're rich, you're gonna point to someone who is much richer than you are. I understand that, I do the same thing. But the truth is, We're all rich, and we have to admit that because if we can't admit that, we could spend our whole life trying to become what we already are. So the first thing, admit you're rich. The second thing, ask God. Get some time away this weekend and ask God to speak to your heart about where you can invest your earthly resources. Some of us maybe have $10, some of us 100, 1,000. We have some extra that we can spend and invest somewhere in God's kingdom. So just get with God and say, hey God, where do you want me to deploy these resources? Because a lot of times when God gives us more than we need, it's not just our needs that he has in mind, right? He has someone else's needs in mind that we need to help help take care of. So admit you're rich, ask God where to deploy these resources, earthly resources, and then finally, take action, right? Let's take action and make the kingdom investment. Say, you know what? I have this whole what if thing going on in my mind, but I'm gonna do it. I've been thinking for a long time about giving back to God and his church. I've been thinking for a long time. I've been around Parkview for a few months or a few years, and I've never really invested back in the ministries of this place, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take action and I'm not gonna trust in myself, but I'm gonna put my trust in God because he is in control. And Parkview, when we do these things, admitting we're rich, praying about where to invest those resources and investing them in God's kingdom, what the Bible says and what Paul says is, the output of that is that we take hold of a life that is truly life. And we don't have to fear anymore about our finances. Let's pray together today. God, thank you. Thank you so much 
for just the opportunity we have to, to come together and gather up on a weekend and, and sing to you and, and refocus our attention and our affection on you. God, thank you so much for your word that, that is so accurate. It, it, it knows us so well. And God, thank you for a half an hour where we can just dive in and pull apart your word and begin to apply it to our lives so that we can really take hold of that life that you want us to live. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen.